Welcome to Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share their great ideas in our guest blog on ShareYourStories.online. Our guests are Amber Raymond and Lynn McLaughlin, who have co-authored a children's book called I Have Choices, The Power of Thought. They have combined their experience in both education and social work to help children manage their emotions. And they're going to share not only why, but how they've co-created the series. Amber joins us from Tecumseh, and Lynn is in Kingsville, Ontario. Welcome. Thank you for Thanks, having Trish. us. Well, Amber, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first, because as a first-time author, I'd love to mm -hmm. hear about your experience in getting I Have Choices, The Power of Thought from, you know, the idea stage to now the published work. Well, I'm not even really sure where to start with that, but I'd say um, it all started with the phone call from my aunt. Um, I got, I was in a state of my life where I was really watching, like I was in, I was doing school from home. My son was doing school from home and I was in school for social work, right? So in my mind, I was, I was watching my son really struggling with the restrictions, the pandemic, and he's really social and he wasn't able to really be himself. So he was really struggling. And um, I was in the mindset where I was just like, I want to do something to help him. And then I thought, well, there's so many other people out there going through this. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to figure out how I can give back, how I can support people, how I can contribute to overcoming all of these mental health issues that we're going to inevitably hit in the near mm -hmm. future, right? And then miraculously, almost divinely, I get this call from my Aunt Lynn who says, hey, I wanna write a book and I want you to join me. And I was just like, completely stumped for one, honored, because in my mind, like at that time in my life, she was just my aunt who I always looked up to. We share a birthday, you know, she's a yeah. best-selling author, like all these awards and stuff. And I was like, she wants me like, oh my goodness, I must be good. You know, like, <laughs> so all of the doubts in my mind that were coming up, like, am I good enough? Am I going to be able to do this? You know, something inside me just kind of overcame that and just said, yes, I'll help, you know? And well, here we are great? now, like a year later, and it's just kind of, it's been magical, like absolutely, like just for uh, like our relationship specifically, it's like we've grown from being just aunt and niece to right. being like friends and colleagues, like they're like just in that personal level, like that's, there's just so much growth there that's happened. But with the book, it's really helped me on a deeper level feel like I'm fulfilling some need that I have in this lifetime to give back to the community to help the next generation to help all the parents out there with like you know mom guilt or all these feelings that we have of not being a good enough parent so i'm really hoping that in the long run this is something that contributes to all those demographics well i know that uh, and you made a great comment there we know that your aunt is an award-winning author so that's that's a really wonderful person to collaborate with on your first experience yeah. for sure yeah. but lynn maybe you can expand a little bit on how did you come up with this sort of sci-fi uh world where you started building the characters like tell us a little bit about was there a storyboard involved like how did you tap into that creativity it, it was it was quite fascinating. Oh, and thanks, Amber, for those beautiful comments. I love you. Um, 
it, it really was our illustrator. So Amber and I were collaborating. Uh, the use of technology is amazing. She's only 30 minutes away from me, but we were online. We were writing. We did our draft. We had it edited. And we were at the point to find an illustrator. And we created we created all this fictitious, all these fictitious things, but we didn't know what they looked like. Let's call the planet Tezra. Okay, fine. Uh, we'll, we'll create a game called Turbo. Okay, fine. We, you know, it could be anything. Right. Um, but what we really wanted to do, there's, there, there are many different platforms that teach emotions, but let's take children to a place where they can all connect to in a really creative way. And so enter Elisa Batten and uh, Elisa's finishing her final exams today at the University of Windsor. She's a graduate from our, a local high school, Kennedy Collegiate. And Amber and I, our first meeting with her, she was online and just popped up some of the illustrations she did. These characters came to life with the three of us working together creatively and not in a, in a non-judgmental way. I like that we were trying to create non-gender specific beings that any child could connect to. They hover, they don't walk, they're, they're, they're named after crystals. And we just went back and forth and back and forth until it all worked. And um, I, I think Amber, you agree with me, but her illustrative creativity has taken this book series to a level that I could not have imagined. And I, I don't think either one of us could have. Well, I must admit that the book cover, which is obviously featured in the guest blog, is extremely colorful. And so I think one of the things that attracts to you to the book as an adult is the fact that it's it is colorful and that you you really want you're intrigued you want to see and you've got this beautiful big face there on and you think what is this all about like what do you mean i have choices what does this mean so you know to amber's point where she had mentioned that the original concept for the book is obviously a children's book series but i don't know about you but i think that there's just as many adults who are going to get something out of this book as the kids right um, you know, adults are going to read the book to children before or when they have an opportunity to read it themselves. So have you given any thought at all to how you crafted the story around speaking to an adult audience as well as the children? Uh, let me just start, Amber, and then I'll turn it over to you. Absolutely. Um, my generation, your generation, even Amber's generation, we didn't talk about our emotions openly as children. No. So our, our second goal of the book, obviously, is to our first one to increase, increase uh, um, emotional literacy in children. But we now as, as adults are giving other parents, teachers, clinicians, tools to walk through a step-by-step -step con uh, concrete process. And Amber says this so eloquently, I'm going to turn it over to her. I have choices is easy to say, but we need much more than that, so. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean, Amber? What does it mean I have choices? Because you and I have just met for the first time here today. <laughs> and in the two minutes before we, um, we went live, you mentioned a comment to me and it uh, actually, I kind of was taken a little back and I thought, wow, I do have choices as an adult. Really? I think we kind of forget that. So fill us in. What does it actually mean? So I think that when it all comes down to it, it's really like what's going on in our mind, right? Like figuring out that we do have choices. Like we might in our in this tunnel vision where we're feeling angry or upset, our only choice is to deal with what's in front of us. But if you step back and really look at things, like you could see, okay, well, I could do this or this or this and just taking that moment to take a couple of deep breaths mm -hmm. and, you know, the step-by-step -step process. And I think that's what um, Aunt Lynn was mentioning was just that with the book, we're going to offer like actual concrete steps for the children. So it's not just like, Hey, you have choices. No, like here's the first step. Here's the second step. Here's the third step. Here's the fourth step. And after you follow those steps specifically, 
then you will achieve some kind of solution, right? right? So it's not just like saying, hey, you have choices. It's giving them the tools where they can concretely use this in any situation that comes about, you know? So I think that ultimately it will help if we can teach kids this early on, it will help them overcome things like later on in life, like say you're in high school and you're approached with a situation that you weren't prepared for, like you now have the tool that you can use in that situation. So I think it's more of a preventative thing at this point. Well, you know, I think you may come to a really good point. And I don't know about you, but you know, when I, I have a sibling who's five years younger than me. So of course, I was the one who had to read to him, right? And I don't think that when I was reading some of those children's books to him, that I really realized that all of the lessons that are kind of hidden behind the meanings of the characters and the pictures that we show. But I can certainly say as an adult, when I read a children's book, I read it from a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I love your idea about tools because who doesn't need tools in today's day and age to deal with our emotions? Because mm -hmm. I think that things that the world in which we live in right now is going so fast, things are moving at lightning speed. And we just to take that deep breath and actually have a process in the back of your mind that you can follow that will kind of settle things for a few minutes. I don't think that you're writing just a children's book. I think you're writing something multi-generational, which is even more exciting for, for down the road as you expand the series. Absolutely. So which one of you has, has, so tell us a little bit about the process, because I know our viewing and listening audience, listen, everybody thinks writing a book is easy peasy. And, um, you know, Lynn and I have both written books before, and we know that that's not the case. But Amber, maybe you can jump in and kind of say, you know, when, when your aunt called you about this wonderful idea, and you said, yes, we're going to do it. Did you have a really good idea? Did you think of what the process was going to be like to get the thoughts from your mind to the page? If I'm being honest, absolutely not. I just said <laughs> yes without hesitation. And I was like, well, it, it'll just happen and I will learn and I will grow and, you know, we'll make it happen. I don't think I've ever said no to something out of like fear or doubt because I just, we always figure it out. You're right. persistent You you find the tools to make it happen. Right, right. But it's been fun. I don't, I wouldn't say that it was hard but I also had a partner if I was doing it on my own I would say that it was it would have been very difficult um but I enjoyed it and I think maybe because I'm so passionate about the topic and the purpose it's really helped just like feed the motivation to keep going and make time for it because I think that was probably the most difficult thing for me was making time for it for sure for sure mm -hmm. now Lynn you've mentioned that it's a series of books and this is the first in the series so mm -hmm. perhaps as the um the educator, you can give us a little bit of background as to where you see the series going. How many books do you think there will be in the series? Oh, we are moving. We're moving quickly because we're just so empowered by this. So uh, the first book you've talked about, the second book is already done. It's been uh, professionally wow. edited and it's in the hands of Elisa when she's finished her final exam. She'll be working away on that. And the third book has been done. It's about to go to editing and we will have 10 in the series wow. by, the time, by the time it's done. Yeah. And wow. I should mention the, the, the overwhelming thing, not the over overriding, I guess, premise of it is these children, these, these beings on the planet glow in the color they're feeling and adult figures kind of hover on in to give them these guiding principles and every book and uh, will introduce different emotions. And we wanted the first one, um, Zerko, our main character flies out and is immediately worried and is taken through the process of I have choices to move into a happy place. And every book has the same 
premise, I guess, the same kind of plot, although teaching a different strategy and a different oh. emotion. Okay, so that makes sense now because I was thinking, you know, if if the premise of the of the series is I have choices, you know, how many you covered them all in one book? But that's a really good point that you're going to introduce new emotions. It, does the concept get refined at all, or the tools that you teach folks and how do, are they going to be refined along the way as well? Every book will have a different tool. And on the back of every book, we have a QR code to take parents and guardians to a site where they can do the downloadable step process, as well as an additional resource to help um, solidify their child's understanding or their student's understanding or their client's understanding, whatever, whatever place wow. it takes. Yeah, so so I, see, I see down the road that you're going to have be building a community of people that can kind of share how they've used these tools in a practical space. So being that uh, Amber's the social worker, and I know, Lynn, you're the educator, have you given some thought to the community that you would like to create to support the adults who are trying to use these tools with children? Absolutely. I'll jump in first. We, okay. we've, uh, we've been joining um, collaborative communities already. Um, the advanced reader copies went out to people in the social work community and the educator community, uh, parents, guardians, clinicians, actually one of our, uh, all of the reviews, the advanced reader reviews are from people from each one of those communities. Um, Amber, would you like to add more? Yeah, I think that like just in the grand scheme of things that it can benefit to have anybody in, in our little community, like mm -hmm. French schools, we are going to do, we're offering the book in French and English. So to have it in like the French school boards, English school boards, like realistically, like we are, like we always say kids are sponges. So at the age of six, by the age of six, everything that we kind of take in, we just take it at face value. So if we can help these kids learn the tools before the age of six, it's something that they can use throughout their life. So starting young, like, I don't know, like daycares and schools mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that, I think would be ideal. I love that you're you're taking it because most authors think of the world at large, right? The, like the you and me who are sitting at home looking for a book to read. And I love that your approach is going in a little bit of a different angle where you're going to try to, to facilitate getting it into the hands of the educators or the clinical practitioners or the social workers who then have a tool of explanation that they can use with kids. I think that's a really unique approach. And, you know, Lynn, as an educator, would, did you find that there were these kinds of resources or this type of approach taken when you were in the education system? Well, I'm still teaching at the college locally. And I mean, uh, Amber is speaking about her son who's 10 years old, but we have post-secondary students who are still struggling. Um, I mean, COVID is one thing, but emotional literacy is so, so important. Um, and before I retired as a superintendent of education, the levels of anxiety in our students and parents and guardians was growing exponentially. And the research, we've done a literature review, Amber has actually, it's posted on the website with all of that information that validates um, one of the reasons we're doing it. And when we talk about children's mental health, we own that as a community. We right. must work together as a community because it's the most important thing for our future, I think. Well, and you know, to your point, I, it's not just the mental health of the children, but you have to have the mental health of the adult or the parent or the guardian in mind as well, because if they're not strong and coming from a real grounded place, it's not actually going to be of much benefit to the child because they're, they're going to miss out on some of those really key components. You know, one of the really lovely things, I don't know if you ladies have thought about this, that just came to mind for me is, you know, we talk about mentorship in this series. So this series is all about trying to help each other uh, learn new skills. And I see a huge opportunity for 
not only the adult to teach the child, but the child to teach the adult. Has that come up in some of your research, Amber? Well, I just know from like my professional experience that kids do benefit, right? And even if you think about when you're going through school or something, when you learn something, they put you in a practicum so you can practice it, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing with kids. If you give them an opportunity to be like, oh, I don't really understand what this, what this step means, you know? Let the kids teach you the step, then they learn it at a deeper level and they feel a sense of pride. Like, oh, wow, I just taught my mom or my dad something, you know? So that's, absolute, that's a great point. So oh, Lynn, yeah. it looks like you've had a light bulb moment. I, I did. I did. I mean, having taught several different grade levels, I can see reading buddies, you know, younger yeah. students reading to the older students, and then the older yeah. students lead, learn the strategies too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. For, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, it was just seriously, it's, it just comes up in the organic. This is like a brainstorm session almost, yeah. right? Just organically, things can come up in conversation, which sort of leads us to a really wonderful way to. Um, to wrap up our conversation, and that is an, in the guest blog, we ask, ask everyone to share their three words of advice. And your three words of advice are self-awareness, self-compassion, and empathy. So how about if we start with Lynn with self-awareness, and then we'll move to Amber for self-compassion, and then you can mm -hmm. kind of dovetail between each other on empathy. So over mm -hmm. to you, Lynn, on self-awareness. Sure. These, these three things are very important for emotional literacy, right? Um, Self-awareness. If, if we can be aware of what our triggers are, if we can be aware of the environment around us, if we can be aware of how someone else is feeling, then we can be proactive and learn strategies as opposed to waiting until we're close to that cliff or falling over the cliff. So um, self-awareness is really all encompassing. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's very critical to understanding ourselves and what impact we have on everyone and everything around us. Very true. Amber, how about self-compassion? Um, the way that I see self-compassion is really like the ability to give ourselves the same kindness and care and patience that we give to our good friends. Like oftentimes we go and tell our friends, you know, you need to be kinder you're with yourself, be patient, you're incredible. And then we turn around and we do the total opposite thing. So being, <laughs> you know what I mean, like we, we point out all our faults and all of our things. Like, so for me, self-compassion, like being able to tell yourself, it's okay that I didn't do great today, but I can do better tomorrow instead of just being like, oh, I did terrible, you know? Right. So I right. think that that's a big thing because when you feel good about yourself, you can put out your best self. That's so true. And empathy, ladies. I mean, I think what we're talking about is empathy, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Children can recognize that a friend sitting over there is feeling lonely and recognizing their own emotions and then being able to be proactive and say, can I help you today? Is there something? Let's go play. Let's go to something like that. Um, and it's so much bigger than that. When, when we're empathetic, we're kinder, we're more caring. And, and that's so much what we need. It's most definitely what we need more of these days. Yeah, Amber, I couldn't agree more. Amber, but as a social worker, you can explain this much more eloquently than I can. <laughs> I think you did a great job. <laughs> um, I think for me, like empathy is, like you said, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, understanding what someone's going through. Um, it's the ability to really feel what someone else is feeling. Like empathetic people are more able to connect with others on a deeper level, on a more helpful level. They're more involved and invested in other people's lives. And like, if you think about it, if that was the world and every single person in the world could recognize, oh, that person looks upset today. What can I do to make their day better? Like if you look at the world now and then imagine a world where everyone is empathetic, like that's the kind of world that I would love to contribute to for like generations to come, like for my son's generation, the next generation, 
that's the kind of world I want to leave for my son. Well, that's a really wonderful way for us to end the conversation. You couldn't have done it better. Um, so I'd like to thank both of you for taking some time to explain your not only the, the experience of being a co-author, but, and I love Lynn's word about emotional literacy. I, I just love that phrase. You know, I think we all talk about emotional intelligence and we all know what emotional intelligence is and how it contributes. But this is a really wonderful way to collaborate with each other mentor each other, and then give us an opportunity to uh, at least contribute in a positive way to the world in which we live. So thank you so much, ladies, for joining me. Thank you. Our honor. To you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduced you to the person behind the logo. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you'd like to join us with your story, visit the website at shareyourstories.online. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we introduce another great idea. Bye for now.